0: I'm Barbara Beaumont, a member of Sierra Club. I'd like to welcome all of you tonight the candidates, the audience, and those viewing this forum later on Iowa City Channel 4, North Liberty TV, and Coral Vision. Co sponsors of this forum are six organizations with an interest in the environment. They are Environmental Advocates, 100 Grannies, Backyard Abundance climate advocates, physicians for social responsibility, and the Iowa City area group of the Sierra Club. The views expressed in this forum are those of the candidates. Sponsorship of the forum is not an endorsement by any of the sponsors for any candidate. The format of the forum will be, each candidate will make a two minute introductory statement. Each sponsoring group will ask one question for all three candidates to answer. Afterwards, the moderator will take written questions from the audience, and we already have a bunch of questions. Um, And each candidate will have 90 seconds to answer each question. Co-sponsoring organization members are distributing cards and pencils so that you may ask questions. You're welcome to submit as many written questions as you'd like. Just hold up the cards as you finish them and someone will collect them throughout the forum. Questions that are unclear, hostile, or of a personal nature will not be used. Those that fall in the same general area are consolidated to allow us to cover as many topics as possible in the time allotted. Campaign literature is outside the door for now. You can go look at it when uh, we're done here. Um, Our intention is to provide you with an opportunity to hear candidates discuss issues face-to-face that are important to you. There is never enough time to cover all the issues in a limited time setting such as this. If your questions aren't answered, I'm sure the candidates will be happy to answer them after the forum. We have three candidates for two seats on the Johnson County Board of Supervisors. They are Pat, is it Hayden or Hedden? Hayden. Hayden, Janelle Reddig, and Mike Carberry. They're now going to make their two-minute introductory statements. We'll start with Janelle Reddig.
1: Thank you, Barbara. Uh, Thank you to all the hosts. Uh, These six organizations are just incredible, and it's uh, wonderful for you to do the forum, and thanks for inviting me. Uh, First of all, I'd like to apologize. I have really bad allergies, uh, along with a lot of people in our area, so uh, I'll try not to hack and cough on you, but uh, it's not contagious. So um, I have been a county supervisor for eight years. I'm running for re-election to my third term. Prior to that, I moved here in uh, two, in 1990 with my spouse, Robin Butler, for uh, her to attend graduate school. And like many people, this became home. Uh, I, I've worked for the Illinois Legislature, the United States Congress. I've served on boards and commissions at the state, um, county, and city level. I spent six years on the State Natural Resources Commission. I was the first uh, chair of the Johnson County Trails Advisory and um, I was uh, airport commissioner. Uh, I know that seems a little different. Um, after I worked for the United States Congress, I, uh, my spouse and I opened an environmentally friendly uh, retail store on Market Street called Alternatives. Uh, later, I uh, suffered um, a very severe bout with Lyme disease, which uh, still impacts me. And I uh, was on disability for a few years because of that. I went to work for the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And then uh, recovered from Lyme disease enough to run for office. I've been very proud of the record that the Board of Supervisors has accomplished in the last few years on environmental issues, from solar to sustainability to greenhouse gas reduction. I look forward to your questions. I appreciate your being here. Pat?
2: Yes. I am Pat Hyden, and it is a pleasure to be here tonight also. I too want to thank the Sierra Club and the other co-sponsors for hosting this forum, and Barbara Beaumont uh, as the moderator. I know some of you in the audience have heard my opening statement before um, more than one time, Um, so it will be a bit redundant, but for those who do not know me, I think who I am and where I come from is really important in setting the stage. I was born and raised on a dairy farm in western Iowa, but Johnson County is my home. It has been my home for more than 40 years. I raised my two daughters here, and I spent my entire professional career in Johnson County, retiring from Oak Retirement Residence in 2016, after 36 years of service, the last 21 as its executive director. My passion for public service really comes from my mom. She served as a Democrat on the Crawford County Board of Supervisors in Western Iowa. To date, she has been the only woman elected to that county board and was one of the first women in Iowa to chair such a board. In 1996, mom ran against Steve King in his first election for a seat in the Iowa State Senate. Yes, we know how that turned out. (laughs) I often think how Iowa would be different if she had prevailed. Although she passed away in December at the age of 88, she continues to be my guiding light and inspiration. In closing, I was surprised to see in Saturday's Press Citizen op-ed that I support much of the Farm Bureau's agenda. I was surprised because I've never completed a survey or questionnaire or met with the board of the Johnson County Farm Bureau, but if the, accusation is in me, if, if the accusation is meeting with farmers and other rural and small business people across the county, well, I'm happy to plead guilty as charged. What I know to be true is that if the challenge is framed as environment versus Farm Bureau, progress will be hard to come by. So, I am glad to be here today and look forward to the conversation. Thank you.
3: Thank you, Barbara, and thanks to the Sierra Club and all the other sponsoring organizations. My name is Mike Carberry, and I'm uh, just completing my first uh, session on the Board of Supervisors. Um, When you vote June 5th or before, you will choose between three human not perfect candidates for county supervisor. It is right to consider any criteria, but in the end, supervisors cast votes on policy, not just platitudes. I ask you to consider me as a candidate who decides and proposes specific policies when you cast your vote. In that wider perspective, I was an environmental advocate for 15 years before my election to the Board of Supervisors three and a half years ago, and I still sit on the board of the Iowa Wind Energy Association, Thousand Friends of Iowa, in the state chapter of the Iowa Sierra Club. I built coalitions to successfully oppose nuclear power plants and coal plants in the state of Iowa. We opposed the Dakota Access Pipeline and began the fight to, for clean water in Iowa. I enjoy bringing this experience home to make policy for Johnson County. Environment and renewable er- energy is my passion and the county is greening its vehicle. We're greening our vehicle fleet. We've installed five solar arrays, We've initiated initiated, the Solarize Johnson County program to bring residential solar panels to residents at a discount price. My work in the new comprehensive plan to stop urban sprawl of residential development in the North Corridor and to preserve farmland reflects common smart growth principles of growing from our cities outward and reducing carbon emissions. I've also led the county to support small local farmers with the food hub and hiring a local foods coordinator, We still have work to do in writing those ordinances. I support plans for the county poor farm that extend our trail system, create new affordable housing units, incubator farm plots, and beginning farmers. Listen to our comments this evening and look for specific policy proposals, not just platitudes. And I ask for your vote on June 5th or before. Thank you.
0: The first question from a sponsoring organization will be from Sierra Club.
4: Hello, my name is Jim Trapka. I'm chair of the Iowa City Sierra Club. And the question I have is do you support the new future land use map in the draft comprehensive plan that takes much of the North Corridor out of the designation for potential residential development?
0: start first?
2: Sure. Um, I guess I'd start by saying that uh, I have been attending the uh, supervisors' meetings since October, and, and uh, uh, that's been really, really great for me. And the comprehensive plan has been um, a high point of discussion throughout uh, the whole time I've been attending. What's very interesting to me is that the uh, supervisors have not voted on that plan yet, have not voted on, on the land use plan. Actually, there is a, a public hearing on May 10th. And I'm really looking forward to attend that hearing because uh, this would be the first or maybe the second time that the public has a chance to make comments about that plan. Um, And I'm very interested in, in hearing what the public has to say about that. Personally, as I've lived, listened to the conversation, um, I, I would support um, a land use plan that is similar to the existing one, or with a footprint that is is larger than the existing one. Two reasons why I say this: first, the the Planning and Zoning Commission met and discussed this, and they really recommend that the plans uh, the plans stay the same. Also, the um, comp uh, plan committee which has been meeting for the last month and a half, uh, two thirds of, of that committee recommends that the plan stay the same or that the footprint be, be enlarged. Um, you know, Those are, are, are bodies of people that have spent a lot of time on the plan, and uh, you know, I really respect their recommendation. But again, I'm looking forward to the public conversation on May 10th. That's Thursday, and it's at 5.30 p.m.
0: Thank you. Uh, Mike?
3: Well, um, yes, I support the, uh, the, the future land use map and the comp plan. It's been many, many hours of input from many, many people. Uh, multiple, multiple hours of input from the public have taken place. Uh, the comp plan committee met many times, the planning and zoning. Uh, the board met multiple times with the planning and zoning, our, our PDS department. Um, Did I get everything I wanted in that plan? No. Uh, Did Janelle? No. Did any of the supervisors get everything they wanted? The answer is no. Good public policy has to do with listening, um, evaluating, sometimes making compromises. And I think that's what we've got in this this comp plan. This new comp plan basically protects farmland. It protects natural areas. It is, uh, is it the best? No. Is it the worst? No. It's somewhere in between. And that's what maybe good policy is. That's, it's the best for the public. And so I will uh, go on Thursday night, listen to the public forum. We have uh, many, many different proposals to uh, evaluate. And we will, at, at, after the public uh, hearing on Thursday, maybe next week or the following week or at some point, we'll vote on the comp plan. But everybody has had the chance for a year and a half to give input. <coughs> And so I uh, support the process we've gone through, and uh, I look forward to a a great comprehensive plan, which will be the county's first. Thank you.
1: Janelle. Um, This probably won't uh, make the Sierra Club very happy, but I believe in the public process and the transparency of the process, and I believe it would be disingenuous if not um, unethical for me to weigh in on the comp plan until the public hearing's been had. Uh, I think that people have a right to express themselves and to give us information. Um, I think at the beginning of the comp plan was a very good process. There was a lot of input. But then the Board of Supervisors took over and um, the Advisory Committee, the, the Comprehensive Planning Committee um, were handed documents and wordings and maps and, and planning and zoning also. And while they have tried to weigh in, the board had even shortened their time to weigh in on it. And so I think it's really important that the public hearing be had and that the people don't expect us to have already made up our minds before we get there. Uh, having said that, I think that um, this is a good effort on our first comprehensive plan. Um, but it, it, you need, we need to balance. Um, Uh, growth into areas that are of low quality or lower quality farm ground, this has some problems with the master matrix in it. I'd urge you all to read it with unbiased eyes and and come Thursday and hopefully the next Thursday and weigh in on your thoughts on it. Um, When I vote, I will be glad to explain my vote, but until then, I think it's best that I listen to what the public has to say.
0: The second question will be from Environmental Advocates.
1: Thank you very much, and thanks for being here with us tonight. My name is Sheila Anji, and I'm representing Environmental Advocates as a board member. Um, My question is, many of us in Johnson County have had the opportunity to live in other parts of the country or even other parts of the world. And as Janelle opened with, we do have so much to be proud of here in Johnson County. There are also many examples of leadership in other counties throughout the United States. So please demonstrate your knowledge of leadership and environmental policy by describing a county with a specific program or policy that you think would serve Johnson County well. Thank you.
0: Okay. Let's
1: see. Mike, you
3: get first. Sure. I'm a big big advocate of what I call R&D, rip off and duplicate, and then you look at other counties where somebody is doing something well and you bring it back to Johnson County and you put the Johnson County spin on that. One of the things that we've looked at for our um, Johnson County Historic Poor Farm is in Dane County, Wisconsin, which is the home of Madison, Wisconsin, and there's a project up there that has 30 acres and they've done 30 acres, and they've done a quarter of it in community gardens, a quarter of it in prairie, a quarter of it in a CSA farm, and a quarter of it in a co-housing project where two-thirds of those uh, housing units are affordable. Uh, we took a trip up there my first uh, three months on, uh, on in the office, and we were able to uh, glean a lot of information that they had used up there. They had also uh, had created something called the feed kitchen, which is a uh, built-from-the-ground uh, kitchen that had seven different kitchens, including a meat kitchen and many bakery kitchens. That was a 24-hour kitchen where people could do value-added agriculture, where they could take a tomato and take, make it into salsa. They could take uh, the tomato and make it into a ketchup, or any of these other things that makes those um, commodities more valuable in the long run. So I uh, will look to Dane County and try to rip off and duplicate some of the things that they've done successfully.
1: Uh, That's a good answer. Uh, This is, um, there are a million good ideas that uh, we could repurpose for us, and it's hard for me to actually choose, so I'm going to try a couple of them. Um, The first one is not necessarily a county, it's the Nature Conservancy, and the Nature Conservancy has used uh, what's called patch burn grazing, uh, rotational, uh, to, to keep prairies in shape and also uh, to revitalize the land. I've been a big fan of that. I've toured several of those and I've urged our conservation board uh, office to consider that on a few properties we have. Um, Just burning only brings out certain things in the prairie and and, in restoration. And so Nature Conservancy out in the Los Hills has been really successful in using patch burn grazing. And so that's one idea I'd really like to see be implemented in the county. And the other is uh, that I'll just pick before I get you know, the hook here is um, there's a lot of great ideas going around about rural ag tourism and value-added ag tourism. And, and I think Johnson County is nipping at the edges of that, but we haven't successfully found a path to that that doesn't lead towards more commercialization. I think that we have a lot more work to do on that, and I'm I'm looking for that value-added agriculture combined with tourism angle in Johnson County. I guess this will say a
2: lot about me because um, As I was listening to the question, um, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, there are a number of examples that come to mind of counties that are doing things that I really don't want to duplicate. So I guess I'm going to flip this a little bit. Um, With my mom's uh, illness, I was traveling back and forth to Western Iowa quite a bit between um, September and and when she passed away in in December. And um, one thing I I noticed uh, that I really hadn't uh, noticed before um, before really starting the campaign and be out in the county talking with people are the number of of CAFOs in western Iowa and, and northwestern Iowa, and um, and and there was a great article in in the uh, Cedar Rapids Gazette I think just this last weekend talking about the state of Iowa and the counties and 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 you know some of the concerns um, th- throughout the state. So uh, so I guess I would really focus on that and and CAFOs and the discussion of CAFOs. You really can't pick up a paper on a uh, weekly basis without having some sort of conversation or information about about CAFOs, um, um, it's, it's a serious, serious problem in, in where I come from in Western Iowa. And uh, uh, the article in the Gazette really um, uh, confirmed that even more. So, So I twisted that a little bit, but that's the first thing that came to mind to me from the personal experience from the last six or eight months traveling back and forth.
0: Thank you. The next question is from 100 Grannies.
5: Hi there. I'm Miriam Kasha of 100 Grannies for a Livable Future. And that was a beautiful segue for my question. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm happy to see you all here tonight. Um, We have a lot of work to do in this state. And these folks are going to help us. So I prepared two questions in case somebody took the other one away. Let <laughs> me come back with it later. Uh, so the one I'm going to ask goes like this. The proliferation of CAFOs in Iowa is a huge threat to our health, our water, and our food supply. Can we count on the Board of Supervisors to take action beyond begging our state officials to do the right thing, which they never seem to do? Sometimes we have to put ourselves on the line to stop injustice and harm to our planet. So my challenge to the Board of Supervisors is, are you willing to draw a line in the sand and take a stand um, on this really critical issue in Iowa? I think
0: it's mine.
5: I
1: think it's right. right. It doesn't matter, but I'll be happy to go. well, this will just get me in trouble. I hate CAFOs. i don't want to be around them i don't want to be anywhere near them. Uh, we already have too many in Johnson County, and that's enough. Um, I believe the master matrix is flawed flawed we've only had one application since I was there, and I said deny it um, it doesn't matter how they score the The whole system is flawed to the producer's point of view i've supported the moratorium on kFAs I'm happy to ban keFOs it's one of the reasons i'm really ban them until the state can take action, until water quality is improved. It's one of the reasons that I'm very worried about changing the definition of farm in Johnson County, because what they want to do is put CAFOs on smaller and smaller acres and be ag exempt for doing that. And I hope we'll get into that later. But absolutely, I'd rather deny it, do everything we can to fight it through planning and zoning and get sued, and try to win on a public opinion point of view. Um, I'm just not willing to open the door to more CAFOs in Johnson County. I'll do everything in my power to block them and to stop them. We have way too many CAFOs in Iowa, and I think we have 47 in Johnson County, and that's 47 too many. Um,
2: so I think that we all can agree that CAFOs are an environmental concern, and and remember I grew up on a farm and I know firsthand about animal waste and its effect. Uh, so the issue isn't um, whether we support CAFOs or don't support CAFOs. The issue is how do we solve the problem while well, supporting farmers and recognizing that ag is a big part of our economy. So you know what are the options? <clears throat> I'm a process person and I believe that process gets us to solutions. Uh, The process for CAFO permits is broken, um, specifically the master matrix. Um, There are 400 points possible and uh, the applicant only needs 200 or 50% to be granted a permit. Now, you know, something's wrong there. Any school that I went to, any evaluation that I've given, or my kids, anything. 50% is not a passing grade. Um, and it's interesting, as you look at the matrix, there are more points earned for a truck turnabout than for things that will really help the environment. Um, so I certainly propose a timeout on any new KFOS until that master matrix is fixed. To do that, um, all the stakeholders need to be a part of the discussion and the solution.
3: So this is a great question. and it- it's right in my wheelhouse. Um, I've led the county to uh, two, to sign on to two moratoriums one uh, with the Iowa Citizens for Community Improvement and one for a group called IARA. And one asks for a, a moratorium till the master matrix loopholes are fixed, including the 50%, including the self scoring, including the different size loopholes. You only have the master matrix if you're over 2,500 hogs, if you're between 1,250 and 2,500. It's, master, it's a manure management plan, but under 1,250, it's sky's the limit, you can do anything you want. Uh, this DNR found 5,000 KFOs last year that were undocumented and basically those were the ones that were under 1,250. We have 23 million hogs on the way to 30 million. What that means is that each of those hogs produce seven times as much solid waste as a human. Um, so you do the math multiply 30 times 7, and that's how much more hogs waste that we have here than, than humans. Um, I've uh, traveled the state, uh, given a, a speech I call pork in politics, asking for p- politicians to take a political stand against the commodity groups, against the Farm Bureau, and to have the, uh, the courage of their conviction to stand up and make the polluters pay. We have the worst water quality in the country. It's getting worse, not better. Voluntary has not worked. We need politicians and public servants to stand up against hog and hog crap. Period.
0: The fourth question is from Backyard Abundance. And it's long and complicated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not too
6: bad.
1: I'll pass those out okay. so they can look in. Okay. It is long and
6: complicated. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Mike Fallon. I'm a project manager with Backyard Abundance. Um, our two co-directors, Jen Cardos and Fred Meyer, couldn't be here today. Um, so we worked together to come up with a question. And um, I like to provide candidates with writing because sometimes it's hard for me to memorize a giant question. This, this is a, not huge, but it has different points to it, so I'll read it. The um, 2017-2018 strategic plan of the Johnson County Board of Supervisors, adopted February 9th, 2017, lists funding as a potential obstacle to the promotion and expansion of opportunities for local food enterprises. It shouldn't surprise you that Backyard Abundance is local is interested in local food production. In the wake of massive funding cuts at the state level and subsequent emphasis on the diminished budget, how would you fund the programs that foster local food production, sustainable agricultural produ- practices, environmental education, and community gardens in Johnson County? Please provide specific examples of programs that you would vote to fund, and programs likely to receive little to no funding in the foreseeable future.
2: Pat? Oh, no, not really.
1: (laughs) You got got 90 seconds. All right, all right, okay, okay. (laughs) Not even two Uh, minutes. All right,
0: all right.
2: So the first thing I want to say is that um, you know one of the four initiatives uh, uh, that the Johnson County Johnson County has is uh, to support the uh, the farm to table movement and the comp plan. If you've had a chance to take a look at that, really emphasizes the, the programs, the funding, um, and and that's pretty exciting. Now, having said that, yes, the dramatic uh, cuts. Uh, from the state and and there just isn't enough money uh, to go around so how do you prioritize? Uh, You know I I, uh, unfortunately can't be very specific about that but but again I go back to I'm a process person and it's really important to reach out far and wide and listen really very very carefully as we prioritize those programs that we're going to fund and even you know those programs that we're not going to be able to have uh, complete funding for. It's a difficult thing it is it is a, a, a very very difficult thing but the county's initiatives have embraced this and we've got to figure out what we can do going forward
3: excellent so uh, the answer to this is uh, show me your budget you know you can tell people what you value but then you take a look at their budget and you really determine what they value our strategic plan has four planks one of them is the crisis intervention The second is local foods. The historic poor farm is a third, and uh, fighting poverty is a fourth. Uh, Local foods is self-evident. Historic poor farm, we're doing a lot out there. Hunger, it's fresh and local foods. Three of the things we've already funded in this year's budget, we put approximately $90,000 into a food hub, which is uh, allow for the distribution of uh, of local foods to uh, industrial kitchens like schools. Uh, like the university, like anybody else that uh, buys food on a larger basis so local food producers can spend more time producing local food and less time marketing them. Uh, We've rehired a full-time local foods coordinator. Um, And we've also then, um, one of the uh, things included here was community gardens. We have, uh, at the historic poor farm, we've already had community gardens out there last year. This is the second year, Uh, a group that was called the uh, Iowa Valley Global Food Project, who has now changed their name to the Global Food Project of Johnson County, is growing on about three and a half acres, and they grew about four tons of food last year, and uh, in their second year of growing, I think they will grow a lot more as they've learned uh, um, the intricacies of the farm and the land has gotten a little bit better as they've uh, conditioned it after one year. So look at our budget. There's local food in it. So um,
1: food hub. uh, Uh, local foods coordinator, Iowa Valley uh, Global Food Project, grow Johnson County using county land. Uh, We funded things, uh, grants to agencies uh, for them to do more local foods. Um, We've also, uh, in this year's budget, will be funding Goodwill, uh, who's doing a soil oil project that will bring jobs for people with disabilities. Um, Areas I think we can move into um, is the access to land in Johnson County is expensive. All farmland is expensive, but our land is even more expensive because it's so valuable. Um, uh, And so I think there are ideas that we could use such as land banking, um, low or forgivable loans to local foods farmers, um, and uh, and more mentoring and, and helping them find ground and be able to market their products. Uh, The county has wanted to help with marketing of food products um, and has wanted to do labels and and there's always been a reason that didn't get done but I think that's what needs to happen next. I, I think there are a lot of different answers but we are not gonna be able to replace state government when they defunded the Leopold Center um, and so, and they're defunding a lot of the soil and water conservations. And, and so, we are going to have to do the best we can for the people of Johnson County and then hope that elections will help us out on the state level. And I'm out of time. <laughs> I, I did want to say there are chairs up front, so I feel guilty about all of you sitting on the floor.
0: <laughs> the next question is from climate advocates. No question from climate advocates. The next question is from Physicians for Social Responsibility.
4: Hey, this is a little shorter than Backyard Abundance. Um,
3: Thanks,
4: Robbie. But not a lot. Uh, So so one way of combating climate change is um, through uh, making a lot of electric car charging stations available. And another way of combating climate change and also adapting to climate change is making solar canopy or sort of installing solar canopies in parking lots. Um, so these are like, you know, roofs basically in the parking lots that have solar panels on them. Um, and that you know, helps deal with heat, um, reduces the need for car air conditioning because the cars don't get as hot. It helps adapt to increasing heat temperatures as climate change happens. Um, and obviously, it generates energy. And obviously, charging stations make it possible for more people to switch to electric cars and have that be an actually viable option. Um, so assuming that you, you think these are good ideas, uh, how would you move forward on these ideas, especially um, in the wake of the probable uh, end of the, um, sort of solar subsidy, the, the tax subsidy from the, from the state government? Um, and also how do you work with local businesses um, to move that beyond uh, just county property, um, but also sort of into uh, the county as a whole?
3: Janelle. Oh. No, I think I'm up first. I think it's oh. You. Oh. Okay, uh, this is an interesting question because I just visited a solar carport today at Pleasant Valley Golf Course, and I was out there and I took a whole bunch of photos because I'm very interested in this. It's a discussion we've had at the county level. We have done six uh, solar arrays at the county. A uh, few of them have done with the power purchase agreement. Our latest one where we're installing now is an outright purchase. We've done uh, bought into a solar garden. We're now leading a solar program, which is a group purchase program. We have greened our fleet. We have one pure electric, well, pure electric, it's an extended range hybrid uh, EEV uh, Chevy Volt. We have charging stations in the county. Iona Electric Vehicle. Supervisor Freeze owns an electric vehicle. We have one in the fleet. As we are moving forward into the fleet, we are buying more. We're actually in discussions with the city of Iowa City to uh, provide EV charging stations. The city is looking into it, and we're sitting at the table with the city of Iowa City to see how we can expand EV charging network to not just the employees and uh, the staff of Johnson County, but to the greater public. Uh, The solar uh, subsidies may be going away. Elections have consequences. If this is something that concerns you, I would talk to your elected officials. But more than likely, I think I would change who your elected officials are at the state and local level, make sure that they support the EV charging and the solar that we all need and we all want to fight climate change, which is the the largest issue of our generation.
1: All right. Um, Solar has been something I've been really passionate about. When I first became a supervisor, We actually invited uh, Iowa Renewable Energy in to talk to the county about (laughs) things they could recommend to us for solar. We were slightly ahead of our times when they were kind of pushing us to solar water. Actually, the jail we currently have had solar water on it. I bet you didn't know that, but the project was allowed to deteriorate. Um, So solar carport on the employee parking lot has been a passion of mine. We even bid it out. And we didn't get any bids on it, because we were kind of ahead of our times for the size of project we wanted to do. Eagle Point Solars recently told me they now know how to do the frame uh, for the solar carport, and and I still want to do that. Um, We're providing about 25% of the administration building from solar, uh, about 10% of HHS, 25% of the West Campus, and the new solar arrays, two of them, which are going on the roof of the ambulance, Uh, will provide up to 50% of that building's electrical needs. That's because we're building a lead standard building. We're only nipping at the start of this. Uh, There is so much more to be done, including more electric vehicles and the ability to use solar to charge those electric vehicles. I'm very excited that the county has established a Renewable Energy Sustainability Fund that reinvests in itself so that we always have money to fund these projects and look forward to a lot more in the future. 90 seconds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I really wanted to uh, make a point and uh, commend the county for uh, its work in, in uh, solar energy, and, and I would really say that the county has been a front runner, and, and probably even nationally on that, so so kudos in that. It's it's pretty exciting, and the uh, electric car uh, fleet that the county is using, lots of good things. I think as far as charging stations and, and additional solar panels, um, you know, as we look uh, throughout the county, of course, it would be really important to continue strong partnerships with the cities and towns throughout the county. I also think that that you know we need to remember not just to stop at solar, but uh, uh, of course the wind energy and, and geothermal. Um, the Spring Street addition at, at uh, Oak Knoll, the last project that I ever saw before I retired, it was a $45 million project and we installed germ- uh, geothermal. And it uh, it was 62 percent more efficient than standard heating and cooling system, and uh, they're saving about forty thousand dollars a year. And on top of that, we received a nine hundred fifty thousand dollar rebate from MidAmerican. So, so I think kudos again to everything going on uh, with the county as far as solar. And I think that that that's just the beginning as we move
0: forward. We'll now start with questions from the audience, and there are two that express concerns uh, about the 40-acre rule. It says, how can the board allow for small farms but still make sure it doesn't open the way for sprawl or the proliferation of CAFOs? And the other one is, Well, I guess it's about the same with the comment, we don't want to become like Washington County.
1: (laughs) So. uh, It's me. It's you. At at this point, those two questions are really important together because um, there is nothing prohibiting anyone from farming in Johnson County on one or two acres. We do farmstead splits. You can rent land, you can cash crop land, people can do that. The The thing that people want is to be ag exempt so that they can build a house without bur- building permits and inspections or buildings without uh, following uh, zoning regulations. And, and that is the problem because the calling farms more than 40 acres has prohibited urban sprawl and has prohibited um, CAFOs from small acreage, if we just unilaterally change that, we will open the door to all of that. Um, And so there have been a lot of ideas, but state law also has something in it called laws uniform in our constitution, that you can't treat one group differently than another group. And that would cause us trouble, that while we want to encourage local foods, we may not be able to discourage corporate ag at the same time. So one of the reasons I've come up with this idea to incentivize local foods and access to land by using county funds to do so is to help alleviate this problem without opening the door to more urban sprawling CAFOs. We need to talk about this more and flush it out, but we do not need to jump in without playing devil's advocate. Because if we do so, we could make a mistake that we will regret for generations. Here's
2: another complex problem with a a lot of moving uh, parts. And uh, it it really is difficult. what I struggle with is again. I go back to one of the strategic initiatives of the county, and and also the the comp plan, which which again is just filled with um, an emphasis on local foods and wanting to embrace local foods, and so um, so we've got that on one end. Um, but then there's there's the frustration of the uh, the small farmers, farmer Kate um, Carmen, um, who want to be de- identified as farmers, and, and how you know how do you, do we work with the Ag exemption and, uh, um, and and those moving parts and, and complicated issues, but that's that's the imbalance for me. We're 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 almost just giving them a real big bear hug, but just not quite because they're they're not. Being able to to do what they want to do. and 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 that's that's not a criticism. it's it's again, it's it's an example of complex problems um, and and being sure that everybody's at the table trying to figure out what's the best thing. Uh, but again, that's what I struggle with. how How do we make this work?
3: So, uh, the 40-acre rule is a, is a serious issue, and um, I ran four years ago on making Johns County the local foods capital of Iowa. And uh, I've known Farmer Kate for many years and many of the other local farmers. But that problem with sprawl and CAFOs is the issue, and as my uh, supervisor friend uh, Lisa Green Douglas says, in squats the toad. And um, so uh, the state and the federal government define uh, agriculture or a farm as uh, by using the Schedule F for your taxation, and that's uh, if you have $1,000 of income or more. But $1,000 um, $1, is quite a bit. And so some people, once they start to farm, you know, say they've got five acres and they've built a big big mansion on it and they've got one acre of strawberries. And after a year or two they say, oh, my God, farming is hard. It's hard work. And so they stop farming that. Then all of a sudden you've got a, a, a five acre grass farm and that's urban sprawl. And then there's the issue with putting the CAFOs on it and stacking them up like cordwood. Um, I think we need to do a little bit more of the R&D that I was talking about, the research and development, or rip off and duplicate. Somebody else is doing this right. We need to figure out who it is. It's a complicated issue. One of the ideas that my friend Kurt Fries, also a supervisor, s- supports, and I like it as well, is that maybe we grow local foods in the villages like Morris and Frytown, and then if they stop farming, then all of a sudden you've got a house that's already in a village next to, it's a kind of a suburban area, a small town, and that might work. So there, we have to be very open and take a look at a lot of different options there's no easy answers to this problem
0: okay we'll change the subject to bicycles there's a a question saying that the Johnson County administration building is a friendly business work site what would you do to promote active transportation in Johnson County? The other one says, the county has had some great bicycle accommodations, bike friendly business, educational programs, wide shoulders, the question is, what's next? So you can deal with either or both of these and it's Pat's turn. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, I tell you, I probably haven't been on a bicycle for thirty years, and I re- but I remember it distinctly because I fell, and uh, <laughs> um, so but but oh my gosh, um, you know I think that as I've been campaigning, uh, lots of younger people have asked about. Um, you know, why, you know, what's, what's, what's here for me, what's here for me, and, and, you know, I talk about a lot of things, but what they're really interested in are the bicycle trails and the, and the, the hiking trails, and, and it's pretty exciting that, uh, again, you know, the comp plan wants to interconnect all these trails, not only, not only neighborhoods to neighborhoods, but, 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 um, communities to communities so so it it, it really is an exciting thing um, you know one big audacious goal that that, that I certainly would promote and, and and many people have done this over the years is, is uh, rail service and and people are talking about uh, uh, Specifically, the Krantic from um, Iowa City or Quoraville to North Liberty, and and I just really think that's very exciting. It all comes down to money, and do we have enough money, and how are we going to make it work? But at some point, we're going to have to do it, and we all have been on 380, and it doesn't matter what time of day or night, it it is uh, uh, pretty scary, and the the carbon footprint is just um, unreal. So, uh, so I again, I think Johnson County has done a great job with uh, bicycle paths and and trails and and, uh, and then, then looking at um, a rail system that could really contribute to uh, Johnson County.
3: Well, Johnson County is becoming a, a bicycle mecca. Uh, we're doing a lot of things, and it's not only Johnson County, it's Iowa City, it's Coralville, it's North Liberty, but we are working with them in many different ways for trail completion. The Hoover Trail from Ely to Solon will be two-thirds complete this year the Mahaffey Bridge Trail will be completed from Mahaffey Bridge, the reservoir, into North Liberty. Uh, We're working, we have purchased the land from uh, Solon to West Branch to complete that Hoover Trail and we're doing, Coralville will be completing there, the Cedar uh, or Clear Creek Trail all the way to 8380. We're also working then with Iowa County and Cedar County to help complete their Trail corridors And so trail completion, it will be a huge thing. And then the missing piece of that will be the Herbert Hoover Highway. Well, we are, we'll have wide separated, we'll have wide shoulders on that. It's a very dangerous place to bike. But one of the things we'll also do is as we build Herbert Hoover Highway, we're building it with enough right-of-way for a separated trail. So once those are all completed, you'll have a, a virtual triangle with uh, Cedar Rapids, Lynn County at the top, Cedar County and Iowa County on the corners and everything in the corridor will be completed. We're a destination for gravel, for single track, for mountain biking and for trails. We need more and better and straighter uh, commuter uh, bicycle corridors though and that's the next thing we need to really focus on with our communities.
1: So um, I, along with my spouse, own 14 bikes. So I, I, I and it's a long story. and 12-step it'll, it, it'll take more than 90 <laughs> seconds. But um, we're avid cyclists. The cycling saved my life after I fought Lyme disease. And so I'm very passionate about the topic. I'm also very impatient. And so when you're building trails and connectivity, it takes time. And I've been rather... Um, you know, you keep thinking, I need that tomorrow, I need that tomorrow. But finally, a lot of things are coming into place, and the next couple of years will become even more of a cycling destination. We already have a lot of bike commuters in our urban area, but not from every city. Um, it's not safe in certain areas to get here. And, and so I think in that regard, we need to keep working with the cities to make cycling safe and to make all users comfortable. I'm comfortable riding down Burlington Street. I bet most of the people in this room would not be comfortable doing that, and so we need to make that, but what comes next is beyond bicycling it's It's rail, it's electric vehicles it's um, it's I hope, a regional transit authority. I hope that we're talking about um, autonomous electric vehicles in our future and and the county was the leader in that, the first county. The entity in the entire country to welcome autonomous vehicles and have a ordinance uh, resolution to do so. And so, what comes next is all of those things before we get our hovercrafts.
3: (laughs) I was promised a jetpack. A jetpack. Okay.
1: Before a hovercraft.
3: Yeah, I'll take either one.
1: The next
0: question is Johnson County may be proud of its nickname, the People's Republic of Johnson County, but being isolated from other counties in Iowa. What are you doing or could you do as a supervisor to establish working relationships with other counties? And that is you first, Mike.
3: Okay. I just mentioned in the last answer that... uh, Along with Brad Friedhoff, our trails guy, we have had uh, meetings with Cedar County and with Iowa County to help them uh, work on their trails and uh, encourage them to do a conservation bond issue like we did to help pay for those. Um, I also uh, sit on the board of the East Central Iowa Coalition of Governments, which is the seven county uh, regional authority here within the corridor, so that's Iowa County, Cedar County, Johnson, Washington, uh, Lynn, Benton, Jones. Uh, and we, we work together on a lot of transportation issues and a lot of other issues. And so I also spend a lot of time uh, lobbying up in, uh, in Des Moines where we have, uh, uh, where I worked for 10 years as a full-time lobbyist. I also am very active in the Iowa State Association of Counties and the National Association of Counties, uh, looking at other ideas, look what other people are doing trying to do a little bit of that rip-off and duplicate if you can. Uh, maybe selling them on some of our ideas, but also to see what they're doing that works and see if we can bring that back to Johnson County. And then sometimes uh, work uh, collaboratively. We also work with a group called the Urban County Coalition, which is the five urban counties on the east side of the state, and that's Johnson, Lynn, Dubuque, Scott, and Blackhawk. Now, we don't always agree on certain things because they're not uh, loaded with five Democrats on their board, so we sometimes argue and we don't always get the way we want, and we sometimes can't get their support, but oftentimes we can on issues that are uh, s- specific to urban counties.
1: With the Urban County Coalition, uh, the Mental Health Region, uh, Cog, um, Iowa State Association of Counties, and even the National Association of Counties, we often have more in common than you think. Um, Both rural and urban counties uh, do not want uh, local control taken away. Both urban and rural counties uh, do not want unfunded mandates. Both urban and rural counties are looking to state government to be an equal partner. Uh, Both urban and rural counties are coming to the table to discuss water quality and air quality. And while there are differences in their nuances and we are clearly the People's Republic of Johnson County, We're finding more and more common ground, even on CAFAs. And so I think the issue is that we need to talk about the fact that everything is regional. Flood protection is not a Johnson County issue. The water comes down to us, so our building wetlands only helps us and downstream. We need to keep working on the regional approach and the state approach and find areas that we agree on and move on from the ones we don't. And I, I think that um, there is a lot to be learned from other counties. And I, we talk to other supervisors literally every week. I was talking to someone today, um, and they were asking me finance questions. So um, there, there is a growing amount of supervisors of both pub parties that have common ground.
2: I would define my success at Oakville two things Um, after uh, 36 years or 22 as as Executive Director. uh, Two two areas define my success. One is that I hired exceptional people who were smarter than myself. And then I mentored them and I supported them and I let them do what I hired them to do. The other is that, that I built strong relationships. When I left Oak Knoll, there were 400 residents, and, of course, they had families and, and families, and 200 staff. And, and I figured out early on in my career, obviously, we weren't going to get along all the time. Uh, different backgrounds, different DNAs, different wants, different needs. And so it was, you know, how are we going to solve problems and, and, and work together um, so that no one feels like a winner and no one feels like a, a loser? Producer, that that we are going in the same same way supporting one another um, so so obviously um, relationships are are the key uh, to collaboration and cooperation and compromise and and just so significant um, in in moving agendas forward and sometimes you start out by just acknowledging if there's anything that you can agree on and and moving forward there so again in this um, environment of decreased resources from the state and uh, increased needs on a county level and and needing to work with our urban and rural partners and our sister counties it is just imperative that that uh, someone sits on the Board of Supervisors that knows how to build relationships
0: thank you Here's an interesting question for you. Some have proposed doing away with the county board of supervisors and instead hiring a professional administrator to do the work. This would allow us to spend more money in other ways. What's your reaction? What does a board add? And it is Janelle's turn.
1: So uh, you would need to change the constitution to actually do away with the Board of Supervisors, but I think if I could rephrase the question, they may be asking about whether or not we should have a county manager, and and I have always opposed that. I believe it separates the policymakers and away from the people even more. Um, I believe in Iowa, the tradition of citizen managers, citizen supervisors has been a good tradition that County government often is the closest to the people in a lot of ways because of that system. And and so it wouldn't actually save any money um, because hiring a good county uh, administrator for a county our size would be extremely expensive and you would still have to pay the supervisors some sort of money or they wouldn't be able to make meetings, uh, which I, I recently saw the number of meetings we have a year and um, I was a little surprised by that. But I, I have always liked the fact that if you don't like the way the county's running or things are not happening, you do not have to go to an appointed position to talk to them about it. The supervisors are responsible and the supervisors have, have Uh, responsibilities and accountability there. And so I like this form of government. It's a tradition in Iowa. There are only two counties with county managers. One of the counties, the supervisors really aren't engaged at all and don't know a lot about what's going on, and I think that's a mistake.
2: I thought I was going to get through this forum without being stumped, and I think I'm stumped stumped on this one. And I'm just going to tell you up front on that. Um, so, you know, that's an interesting question, and and again, um, thinking about that. But then I, I think about Lynn County that went from five supervisors to three supervisors, and and how that works and the reason for that. Um, and and I worry about something like that because. It, of course, representation is, is, is so very, very important, and uh, I think having five supervisors really brings um, and should bring really different perspectives to a board as you uh, try to collaborate and, and, and uh, work through problems and solutions. So um, that's not a very good answer, and I acknowledge that's not a, a very good answer, and uh, um, that's all I've got.
3: <laughs> well, we have five county managers right now, and uh, we work, um, I think, considered three quarters time, but I know that I've tracked my time. I know Janelle's tracked hers and the other supervisors and we're paid at three quarters time. I think I, there's not a week that I've been a supervisor that I haven't worked at least 40 hours and um, borderline 60 on most weeks. Um, so we're the policymakers that are responsible to the voters and uh, when you have a city manager People can't, uh, the the voters can't change that city manager. Um, They can change their elected officials and hope that those elected officials change that county manager, that city manager. But when you have five county managers, we have to reapply for our job every four years. And that's what Janelle and I are doing today. Uh, and, And Pat is applying for that job. So if you don't like what we're doing, the way we're doing it, you have that option to vote us out. And that is a really, really good form of government, I think, and I thought, love the way it works. It, it costs a little bit of money, but like Janelle said earlier, it costs a lot more money to have a professional manager that probably makes a quarter million dollars a year, and then you still have to have the supervisors who you probably have to pay half time. So in, in the long run, you'll end up paying more money for a county manager than you would with uh, five competent supervisors that you can replace every four years.
0: Thank you. Next question from the audience. Given that the county will soon have a new 140-acre park north of Iowa City with structural as well as natural amenities, please give a positive vision of how all these amenities can be used to bring future residents closer to our environment. um, I, I'm uh,
2: assuming that that's the Schwab property that was just purchased, um, and and uh, I know that there was a lot of discussion uh, uh, before, during, and, and after the purchase. Um, I, I I like it, um, and and again I'm a. Bystander in the audience going to uh, these county uh, supervisor meetings. So, so that's from my perspective. Um, you know, one thing I think that that uh, if the purchase didn't happen, um, probably there would have been future development on that that property. And uh, now we've got it um, under uh, uh, the conservation board. And and yep, there are buildings. And mm-hmm. and I just think about you know how creative one can be with programming and. and and bringing the county um, into that area, and whether it's educational or, or entertainment, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. Um, and, and, and again, I, I just think that even with all the discussion that took place before, during, and after, it was a, it was a good thing. Uh, the uh, Conservation Board did its homework, and uh, they have a great track record, and I'm excited to see uh, what that looks like in the future.
3: So, um, it's approximately 100, just a little less than 103, 33 acres. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do out there. The first thing and the most important thing is there's over 100 acres of pristine hardwoods, uh, with trails and it's, uh, most of the evasives have already been removed from that. It also adjoins properties that, um, uh, B- uh Baroque Land Trust own, they're big grove, uh, facility and their Big Grove addition and so those trails can connect to those two properties and then it also connects with the Corps of Engineers property that takes it all the way to the, the reservoir and many more uh, miles of opportunity to, uh, to hike. Um, the facilities or buildings out there, a lot of them can be, uh, one of the things that I think we're lacking is a really good educa- uh, environmental enge- uh, education center that's close, closer to the city. Um, Lynn County has a couple. One of them is uh, uh, run by a nonprofit, but they also run one at Wiki uphill. Ours at uh, Kent Park takes too long to get out to. It's all the way in the back of the park. It takes students over half an hour to 45 minutes to get there. It's not the greatest location. So this would be a better location for educational, also historical education on the history of uh, of, of, of environmentalism, the history of uh, Johnson County, uh, and the history of the environmental movement. There's all sorts of things that can be done out there. We just have to think big and, uh, and think outside the box a little bit because it, it, it really is a, a fantastic opportunity for us.
1: Um, ten years ago, I co-chaired the conservation bond initiative uh, that the funding uh, used by this property is being used. Never once were the voters told it would be used on buildings and infrastructure, an event center, a catering, a houses, barns, etc. I believe it it broke trust with the voters, um, and I believe that the purchase was unwise. I believe that it will cost us a lot of money, uh, up to two hundred thousand dollars this coming year and every year thereafter, to have an event center. If that's what the county wanted to do, it should not have diverted money from wetlands, woodlands, and prairies to do so, and it shouldn't be in that location. This is on a two-chip seal road that are already at capacity and on a rock road dead ending into a neighborhood. That is the last place that we should be encouraging people to come to for events or educational center or big uh, youth. uh, Last place for camping, the last place for anything else. And so it's really hard for me to see why this was a wise purchase. The 80 acres of woodlands were a wonderful purchase. I wish we would have taken the leftover money and spent it on more woodlands and prairies. But for the county to spend conservation bond initiative money that was never envisioned by the voters and wasn't part of the referendum for this purpose is something that I'm embarrassed by. And so I hope that we don't regret this for generations. Thank you.
0: <clears throat> Let's see, here's a short and sweet one to think about. Uh, Single use plastic bags and beverage straws are an international environmental hazard. Would you support banning their use in Johnson County? And it's Mike first. No?
5: Well? Yeah.
3: Is it me on first? Okay. Um, We have uh, been prevented from uh, doing this. uh, When we raised the minimum wage a few years ago, um, we upset a lot of people. And uh, what happened was uh, not only did they uh, pass a law up in Des Moines last year that uh, preempted our right uh, for local control on uh, the minimum wage, they also threw in a little bill uh, that prevented us from uh, banning any sorts of containers, uh, like uh, plastic bags or to-go cont- food containers, in any way. This was brought to you by our friends at the American Petroleum Industry and Stuart Iverson, who was a full-time lobbyist, former uh, Speaker of the House up there. So that was a gift to the American Petroleum Industry. So there's no way that we can ban that. Now straws, I hadn't heard about that, but you know we have a huge problem with plastics. They're made out of petroleum products, Uh, the the gyres, uh, the big plastic islands that are in uh, our oceans are big and getting bigger, they're killing fish, they're killing birds. We really need to reduce the amount of plastic we use and so I carry Uh, a lot of bags with me all the time. Uh, A lot of them I've got from the 100 Grannies, thank you, that are made out of couch material. I, the 100 Grannies has led this effort. I wish that we could actually do something about this, Uh, but um, the way that we change that is to change the people that uh, represent us in Des Moines. (laughs) Go Grannies.
1: Uh, plastic bag issues taken away from us and and straws. uh, There's new technology on paper straws. I'm really intrigued by that. I I, I never use, very rarely ever use a straw, normally when I just have the flu, Um, you know. uh, But it's amazing how many they'll put on your table. Here's a glass of water, here's a straw, here's a drink, here's a straw. And when you say no, thank you, they'll say, are you sure? Um, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think a lot of what we need to do is change the, the dialogue and, and, and change where we're going to use our political capital and, and, and make meaningful differences. And, and so I think that could we ban them someday um, and that came back? Uh, we 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 may be able to, but with this legislature and governor, that's not going to happen. And so, what we have to do is try to change the market by uh, civil disobedience and protests and in and action, and, and try to get the people to willingly comply until we have more tools in our tool bag uh, for making statewide differences. And and I, I think we shouldn't give up hope for that. Uh, I think. The Center for Worker Justice has done that on minimum wage, and we can do that on straws and and plastic bags um, and everything else. Composting. If if we could get restaurants to compost everything, we will have made a big accomplishment. So I hope the grannies keep pushing. This was a granny's question or not? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) And and I
2: too would say kudos to Grannies. Uh, you certainly got our attention uh, about the plastic bags, and it just shows what a grassroots effort uh, can do and really really make a difference. Um, I I read last week that McDonald's is is going to stop using uh, plastic straws, and obviously I think that's significant. And I look forward. Uh, yeah. Uh, to other uh, organizations like that uh, to follow. Uh, So that's very significant also. And going forward, uh, obviously, education and advocacy is so important, and and, uh, we start that education as as young as we can. And, uh, again, it goes back to the 100 grannies and and really what a grassroots effort is all about. It can be very successful.
1: Mike has a new job.
3: (laughs) good for something.
0: Thank you. Uh, This starts with a question that it answers, just to tell you that. Can the Board of Supervisors apply for grants to establish a test riparian buffer and test inflow and outflow waters for nutrient levels? The answer is yes. (laughs) Could you work with the UI Hydraulic Institute to do this on Clear Creek?
1: Uh, yes. I th- Let's just say the answer is yes to both of them. Um, the new federal, I'm echoing, the fe- let me lean back. The federal grant that Iowa was just awarded uh, for um, uh, Clear Creek as part <clears throat> of it um, will bring significant funding of federal money into the region for water quality issues up and down Clear Creek. And, and the county uh, became the fiscal agent for that someone had to be the fiscal agent. Um, we did it without realizing what that meant and what it means as a mound of paper, and it's on our agenda about every other week. Um, but the, the actual grants are about to start, and, um, but that may be the end of the money for some time until and, and so we have a change of philosophy at the federal level and the state level. And so hopefully we can use that money really wisely for projects that actually slow down the water, help with uh, flooding and water quality. And so um, I think the county is very interested in being a partner on all of our streams and rivers. Um, we are also part of the Clear Creek, and Eng- or I'm sorry, the Cedar River and the English River uh, watershed. Um, so uh, we'd be happy to apply for any grant or partner in any grant that we can for water quality. I'm assuming Uh, there's a majority of the board in the room and they should nod their heads. Um, (laughs) So um, the answer, I think, is yes and yes. And uh, let's keep working to get more funding in these projects.
2: I think any time we can apply or partner uh, with others as far as as writing grants and receiving grants is so really very, very important. And I sound like a broken record, but again, you know, with the, uh, the environment on the state level and decreased resources and increased needs, it's just imperative, again, to build relationships, build strong partnerships moving forward. And of course, the key for us then would be to use the money wisely in this county.
3: So, this is uh, repairing buffers. We know work. Um, the University of Iowa Flood Center uh, is basically has ma- is managing that ninety-three million dollar grant that the state of Iowa got for the watershed approach. We're very lucky in Johnson County to be to have three slices of that. Uh, not only the Clear Creek, but the Cedar River watershed and the English River watershed. Unfortunately. Part of that watershed approach and the is that they're dealing with water quantity Uh, But water quantity uh, sometimes that helps with water quality But not always and so we need both water quantity approaches and water quality approaches The state of Minnesota has mandated a 100-foot riparian buffer on each side of a stream and that was uh, basically uh, The governor did that Well, we could get a governor that could do that too if we vote for the right Governor uh, okay. this fall, so I would encourage us to do that and again I'm going to go back to changing uh, the state legislature and changing the governor and we could uh, could really uh, uh, Take a, a, a Huge chunk out of the water quality issue. We know that it's a, basically it's a 96 bi- uh, 9.6 billion dollar problem and the governor put 27 million dollars of not new money towards it I mean, which is a, a pittance. It's a literally a drop in the ocean when it comes to water quality, and we, we can do better. We must do better.
4: Okay.
0: Uh, let me see. Would you consider banning open burning in Johnson County in areas where homes are closely stacked to each other, like Anderson Avenue? The DNR has a limitation on burning, but it's hard to enforce without a county ordinance. And we start with Pat? Yes. Um, Hmm. I,
2: I, you know, my first reaction is oh my gosh, yes, you know, uh, uh, certainly banning open burning um, uh, to protect, you know, the, the structures and the homes in the area. What avenue was that, Barbara? Or Street Anderson.
4: Anderson?
0: I don't know where Anderson. Oh, okay, okay. Is, the, and and. South and South
5: South Valley, yes.
0: Okay, okay, um,
2: and and I'm not familiar with the current or, ordinances, and so um, and and I would certainly need to to look into that and in, and D and are to probably make a more informed uh, comment on that. But my initial reaction is, gosh, you know, that's that's something that we certainly should be open to discussion.
3: So um, I grew up in the country, um, in Benton County. And people burned a lot of stuff there. They burned their garbage. And I just think of the toxic fumes that that uh, had. But we, we do prairie burns. We do, you know, we burn things. Uh, for natural areas, so we have to be very careful about uh, what a, a burning ban would look at would look like. I'd like to see uh, a stop burning just uh, piles of wood. I'd like us to s- stop burning trash. Uh, we could. We have the landfill. We have composting there. We have the city now picks up compost at the curb. That's an amazing thing, you know. Thanks to Jennifer Jordan uh, for that. Uh, we could. Uh, uh, make it easier for rural residents to take uh, woods and grass and other organic material to the landfill for composting so they don't burn it. And we definitely don't want trash burned. But we have to be very careful that we uh, uh, make sure that we're still a- able to burn prairie uh, and other things that need to be burned. Sometimes it's ditches and things like that. There's a, a, there's a purpose for that, and it's, uh, it's conservation and wildlife protection. So. Um, I'd like to look into a burning ban, but uh, unintended consequences uh, need to be looked at as well.
1: So uh, state code says that counties have local control until they tell us we don't have local control. And and so I actually don't know the answer to this question about whether or not there's any uh, state uh, ordinances, uh, code that would prohibit us from uh, doing a burning ban. But what I do know is that um, as an allergy sufferer and an asthmatic uh, burning is problematic to me. Uh, I am all for burning woodlands and prairies and, and uh, when I was on the Natural Resources Commission, I actually created t-shirts that said Burn Baby Burn for Liz Garst who always talked about burning more uh, state land. Um, and so whatever we would do would need to make clear that, that people can still burn their land uh, because that's the only way to get, one of the only ways to get to, to restoration. But I'd be happy to consider this. I was really disappointed that the new uh, intersection at 8380, they were bulldozing all the trees and scrub brush into a gigantic pile and burning it. Right on the interstate. And um, and, and so a, a few years back, County Conservation was doing the Clear Creek Trail and the the grubber, it's called grubbing when you move all that stuff, the grubber was taking all the grub from there, moving it to the industrial park in Tiffin and burning it. And, and I had to get involved and bring D- DNR in to get that stopped. And so I'd be happy to look for, uh, to see if we have an ordinance that we could control some of the burning, particularly of hazardous materials. Your, your comments
0: lead to the next question, which is, what does the Johnson County Board of Supervisors do Doing to preserve trees in our county. We're seeing massive cuts along roadsides and other places that are being developed. Planting new saplings doesn't really make up for taking out mature groves when we must sequester, carb- sequester carbon as much <coughs> as possible to help ameliorate the worst impacts of climate change. So maybe it should be what can they do and what will they do? And it starts with you,
3: Mike. Okay. Yeah, I was uh, particularly troubled um, by uh, all those trees that were removed on the west side of 380 uh, last year. And thousands of trees were taken out and put into huge piles and then burned. Um, A lot of those uh, trees that are coming down are in uh, city limits. That that one happened to be in the city limits of Tiffin. I'm not sure, you know, the county has um, sensitive areas ordinance city of iowa city has a sensitive areas ordinance but i'd like to see the uh sensitive areas expanded to those municipalities where they're taking out a lot of those trees we do uh, woodland mitigation we do wetlands mitigation if you disturb wetlands or woodlands then you have to do uh, a replacement either on-site mitigation or off-site mitigation and it's normally in multiples of of the Mm. acres that you take out you take an acre of uh, of woodlands out, you need to do a multiple of it, uh, sometimes four, sometimes more, uh, uh, of additional woodlands and planting. Um, growth, of obviously, sometimes is, is an issue and sometimes we're building in places where there's a lot of trees and one of the things we need to do is stop taking out the trees and then naming the streets after those trees. <laughs> so, uh, I've always fought urban sprawl to protect urban. Uh, excuse me, to protect farmland and natural areas and I will continue to make that fight.
1: Um, I, I think that the county has um, had a, created a sensitive areas ordinance before I was a supervisor. When I, I became a supervisor, they had enough votes to do stormwater management. And then I think after Mike got there, uh, we were able to make sensitive areas and stormwater management. Apply to all subdivisions unless we waive it, which is more rare than you would think. And so, um, when things are rezoned, um, I, I think we can increase those ordinances and make them stronger and and make them be on site. Um, but like wetlands, um, we need a woodland mitigation. If we if people impact wetlands, they're required to replace them. And the county is in the process conservation at the Cedar River Crossing area, uh, Sutleff area, of uh, building uh, the county's first owned wetland mitigation bank. We should have a similar process for woodland mitigation. Um, Right now, um, there's no state or federal law that I'm aware of that that does that. And so in a lot of cases, the hands are out of us, uh, the issue is out of our hands. But I'm really intrigued by all the research. Lou Licht, if any of you remember, did this research on using poplar trees as buffer strips for farm ground. And I've always been intrigued by things like that. And if people know of ordinances that we could try here, I'd I'd be happy to try them. Um, But I think like the DOT project is an example of um, very sad.
2: You know, I realize that um, trees need to come down uh, for various projects, but it it certainly is hard to look at the pile of trees, uh, particularly the significant piles that uh, Janelle was referring to. Um, When um, the the projects that I oversaw at Oaknall, working with the city of Iowa City, we needed to take trees down uh, to do those expansions, but the city, rightfully so, uh, and at the pleasure of the residents and, and everyone affiliated with Oak Null, um we're, we're fine with replacing the trees that we took down, and um, and so again, what I would look at and and want to be required is that uh, any project you know in the county where we are dislodging and removing trees that we do have need to have an ordinance or a program that we are replacing those trees.
0: I think. We've got time for closing statements uh, ninety seconds
1: and starts with Janelle so uh, my name is Janelle Redding, and I appreciate your being here um, uh, elections I keep hashtagging, hashtag elections matter and that that's the facts um, it it takes um Sometimes people that are courageous, sometimes people that are innovative, creative, um, willing to go out on a limb to lead uh, a county that's like this, where the citizens are so active and engaged and have so many ideas. Um, I'm proven, my track record is strong on environmental issues, conservation issues, um, every issue, affordable housing of um, poverty. We didn't even get into any of those topics, but um, I'm a liberal, I'm innovative, I'm a leader, I'm stubborn, and I'm, I want to get things done. Um, I'm not here to fill a seat. I do have an agenda. It's important to me that I have a to-do list. There's so many things I still want to get done. Um, a CIT center, uh, more affordable housing near the county, uh, I want to reduce the county's carbon footprint even more than we have. Um, I want us to restore the courthouse and the poor farm. And and so I really would appreciate your vote. The election started today, voting started. I'm told Travis had to leave apparently, but 200 people voted and that's a good start. Uh, but we need a lot more people to vote and I would appreciate your vote on or before uh, June 5th. Thank you for being here.
2: With the current political climate on the state and national levels, it is imperative that we, on the county level, do better and be better. We must be at our best. There is no room for infighting. Uh, Yes, we must be at our best for all the people we represent. Um, It's not about taking a stand. It's not about being right above all else. It's about making a difference. Good public policy is very hard to find these days, so this is the time to set aside personal agendas and focus on problem solving. There are so many complex issues, and we've talked about many tonight, and although immediate solutions may not be found, we must make progress. And that's what I will bring to the board. I am a strong and experienced leader, and I know this county is served best through collaboration with all of our urban and rural partners. I will facilitate cooperation, compromise, and common sense. I will provide strong fiscal management and prudent use of resources. I will encourage open and honest discussion. I will treat county staff with respect and support professional development, mentoring, and leadership opportunities. In the inspiring words of President Obama, one voice can change a room. I am that voice. I respectfully ask for your vote on or before June 5th and thank you all for being here tonight. It was a real pleasure.
3: Uh, I'm Mike Carberry. I'm uh, looking for reelection for the county supervisor and I'd like to thank the Sierra Club and the other groups for sponsoring this forum to all those attending in person or watching. Not only am I a Democrat making a difference, but I've also been a justice fighter all of my life. I was born a fighter. My mother and I both almost died in childbirth and I've been fighting ever since. I had a 15-year career fighting the fossil fuel industry and big ag, and I won some big battles, and I continue to fight others. I continue to fight for justice of every kind, for economic, social, environmental, and racial justice. I fight for economic justice by fighting for a livable wage with inflation indexing, affordable housing, ending homelessness, food insecurity, and transportation for the working poor. I fight for social justice by making Johnson County a welcoming county to all, regardless of who they are. I fight to end the stigma of mental illness and for a CIT center. I fight for environmental justice by stopping urban sprawl, preserving ag land and natural areas, by making Johnson County the local foods capital of Iowa, by supporting sustainable ag and clean water, expanding renewable energy and for a connected county trail system. I fight for racial justice by fighting hate crimes, decreasing disproportionate minority contact, and encouraging community policing. I fight for those who don't have a voice or whose voice is marginalized. I'm willing to fight the good fight for the common good. I have the courage of my convictions and have never backed down from a fight. You want me fighting for you, so I need you to fight for me by backing my campaign for re-election. Find out more at carberryforsupervisor.com. I humbly ask for your vote and support. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you to the candidates, City Channel 4, yeah, City Channel 4 for recording and distributing the forum proceedings and the audience. We encourage each of you to get involved in your community and the political party of your choice. We also encourage you to vote on June 5th or before. Thank you and good night.